0: It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.
1: Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches.
2: Yeah, Yeah, you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people thrill a lot of people a lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching
1: it's like you know what what are you doing you're spending all your time trying to destroy another christian because you don't understand what's going on mm-hmm. when you should be out there winning people for jesus right thank you for the job you're doing thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues they are vital to the church I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's, it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in
0: the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth uh, no matter what the consequences are.
2: Okay everybody, welcome to uh, today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. Uh, as you all know, we've been uh, pumping out a bunch of episodes, bunch of conversations, bunch of different guests, that sort of thing. It's been a lot of fun uh, to be, you know, pretty much putting out a new show every day. Uh for those of you guys that tuned in last night, we had our very first episode of uh Connected, which is a new show that we're putting on here on the GK, and we're what we what we're doing with that show is we're having uh four um, basically four fellow uh GK guys. Um, that last night it was myself, uh Dustin Faulkner, Schumann, and uh Sam Jones. And we literally just had a free-for-all uh, conversation that you guys actually essentially directed with your questions and comments and suggestions and all that kind of stuff. We went for about an hour and 45 minutes, literally just talked about anything and everything. Started out with a conversation on coronavirus, ended up into a, uh, into a debate over, uh, theonomy versus libertarianism. You never know what's gonna happen with those kinds of things. So the recording is going into the members-only side of the GK plugged in, you guys want information on that, go to gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in. If you sign up for the annual membership, you will get a free copy of our book, Social Injustice, that we'll send out to you um, as soon as you guys uh, get signed up for that. So again, gatekeepersonline.com slash plugged in for that information. Um, I'm excited about today's guest. Uh, we're bringing on, uh, JD Rucker. He's the editor in chief over at Knock Report, but also he's, uh, the newest addition to, uh, the GK podcast network with his show, uh, The Rucker Report. And so, uh, welcome back to conversations, JD. I'm glad we could, uh, sit down and, and chat again.
3: Thanks for having me again, Jeff. It's, uh, it's good to be here.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and I, and I think, and you and I have been having like a lot of conversations, especially with everything that's going on, uh, in the news. And it, what's crazy is I feel like for, like, obviously the last several weeks, all anybody can talk about is coronavirus because it's affecting us, uh, affecting us so much. And they're they're having the, the debate, you know, going on right now. I believe it's still going on. And is it still going on in, in Congress and stuff, just still trying to finalize the details and get the vote and all that kind of stuff? It's crazy that it's still it's still like the only thing that's on people's minds right now, even in the news cycle
3: i think it's the only thing that can be on their minds right now because it's like you said it's affecting all of us you know, what are we supposed to do um <laughs> for a lot of us we have a lot more time on our hands now that that uh this is taking us from out of work out of our hobbies out of doing any anything that we're used to doing so why not talk about the cause or at least the perceived cause um, yeah it's it is it's on everybody's mind as far as the bill in, in congress yes it's it's going to happen. It's just a matter of they're they're finalizing this, that, and the other. Should be on the president's desk later uh, today, tomorrow, sometime very soon.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was funny. You know, I think I think it was about a week, week and a half ago, and uh, you and I were supposed to you and I were supposed to grab lunch, and then uh, literally we, we we set plans, and then all of a sudden the governor shuts down the whole state, and we're like, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's that. Yeah. But see, like that's the crazy timing. Yeah, but see, like that's the crazy thing I feel like of you know, living in somewhere like California that is more liberal is there, is there kind of coming in with some of the big government, you know, solutions and let's just essentially order a shutdown. Um Now, from, from your perspective, was that the right decision Um yeah. or, or how, how, how would you have preferred to it to be, how would you have preferred it to have been handled?
3: So mandatory shutdowns are a, a very extreme, you know, kind of of last resort. And we're not at the last resort yet. I understand that people are are terrified. Um, and I understand that a lot of decisions are made based upon what uh, perhaps the wrong people are doing. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I didn't know anybody who was going out, you know, as far as uh as far as people that were heading out to uh, do, you know, going to bars and and stuff like that and and those who were though were they were doing so cautiously, you know, when we discussed going to lunch we were talking about going to to Whole Foods or Mother's Market, you know, places where it's not going to be crowded, where it's probably, you know, maybe pick up some groceries, kill two birds with one stone, trying to, to handle it responsibly. Right now, you to put out a blanket, you know, everything's shut down, no business is going to operate. That's not the right way to go about it because you have a lot of businesses out there that simply, I mean, they can handle this. They have, they have the measures, they have the separation, they have the, the whatever to continue it with business as usual or business that's slightly adjusted. you know this this type of okay so we've got to stop this so let's let's cut it off you know Newsom was was quoted he was using some study that said that there was going to be 25 million um, Californians out of 40 million that were going to be infected if he didn't act quickly these types of scare t- tactics are they're not just overreactions you know these are our preludes to in my opinion just normalization of authoritarianism you're talking about a, you know, basically a, a measure that is getting people used to, um, used to being controlled, used to being dependent on government. Now I'm not suggesting that that was, you know, some evil machinations of the, the, the left, the Democrats, and They're like, oh, you know, this is our opportunity, you know. But I know it's in the back of their minds. And whenever we lean in that direction, whenever we, we uh, you know, they say you you side on uh, you err on the side of caution. This isn't er- erring on the side of caution. This is erring on the side of, of of government rules and we don't. And that's just not how it should be. Um, should there have been some sorts of measures, you know, say uh, um, minimizing the exposure risks, uh, perhaps age restrictions? I hate to, to say that, but, I mean, it's true that there are people that are quite a bit more – influenced and, and put into more danger as a result of the coronavirus than others? Um, should they have been perhaps you know, given I don't know some sort of some sort of uh, advanced measures, advanced mandates or, or even cautionary tales telling them to stay home or telling them to avoid sure? But shutting it down, we're going to end up with a remedy that is far more damaging than the actual ailment itself. I'm, I'm, we're already seeing this. In place So It's easy to second guess I hate to be that guy That says Oh you know You shouldn't have done this Because of this Or or things would have been fine There's no way For all I know Maybe shutting it down Is the only way To prevent it From going out to 25 million people Maybe his numbers Are, are great Maybe the doctors Are are uh, The selective Keep in mind Doctors that they were able to, to pick out Were the right ones We'll never know Though And Frankly I I I trust Americans more than I trust government that's just in my DNA um, I trust that people would have been safer and smarter and make the right decisions generally and the ones that didn't yes they could hurt the rest of us but you know we have this is why we have social media you saw you saw quote-unquote shaming of people doing stupid things during you know before this mandate um, that's still happening people are still going to do stupid things stupid people do stupid things so Throwing out a mandate and making it required for us to to stay home, to, to shelter at home, and and all this other stuff to not go out and and do our business, it is overreach and it's an overreaction, and I think it's going to do a lot more harm than any good it's going to do from preventing however many people from getting the coronavirus.
2: Yeah, and, and now now what, what do you what do you feel like? It could be the lasting harm in having this, in having this kind of a, in having this kind of shutdown. Because, because I feel like on one hand, you know, again, you're, ha- you're having the people that are supporting the shutdown, uh, where they're like, well, hey, we're saving lives, right? And so that, so then what, what would be the, the counter argument to that degree looking at the long lasting effects of, of pulling off something like this?
3: So there's really three, um, two that are, really scary and one that's absolutely terrifying um you know you have <clears throat> the obvious one the economic downturn people aren't getting paychecks uh, businesses aren't making money you know there's there's businesses that do rely on the day-to-day the week-to-week um there's people that rely paycheck to paycheck and that means that there's going to be people i don't care how much government you throw at it and say, okay, so we're going to take care of this, we're going to take care of that. There's nothing, no blanket solution that's going to make sure that every business doesn't fall apart at no fault of their own based strictly on, you know, number one, the coronavirus, but more importantly, number two, the shutdowns. So then that will lead to what we're already seeing with these, these stimulus bills, <clears throat> businesses having to rely on government. That's the second part, and it's a little bit scarier because you're talking about this isn't just okay. So, so businesses are, are going to go under. So let's let's make sure they get these loans. Let's make sure they get some money. Let's let's keep them secure. Let's do whatever whatever it takes. That's all good and dandy. No, not really, but it's you know that part is is not the horrific part. The horrific part comes with the oversight. It comes with the uh, the bureaucracy that's being inserted into literally every single business, big, small, in between. If they participate in these this bailout. They participate in, in getting these loans, getting this money from government to keep them afloat. Then they're going to be have government inserted into their businesses. And people say, "Oh, you know, what's the big deal? They're just trying to make sure that people don't get fired as a result." It's a huge deal because we're talking about months, if not years, of government saying, "Hmm, you know, hey, we gave you guys money, and we're seeing that your, you know, your uh, your quotas for for diversity are not being properly met, or." hey, we noticed that you fired this, that, or the other. This is the, the equivalent of government-style unions being inserted. I'm not talking about unions as in where the people themselves are are in a, a labor union. I'm talking about the same type of measures, but being applied from government down to these businesses rather than from unions coming together and, and uh, you know getting taking uh, advantage of, of the people that are in the unions. But the scariest part, the part that I don't think enough people are talking about right now is the the complacency, the laziness, and perhaps the – call it the addiction that's going to come from this. When people start to get government assistance, it's hard to get off it. It really is. And we're talking about about tens of millions of people who, for many of them, the only money they're going to be receiving in the near future is going to come as a – either from government or as a direct result of government you know getting on that that uh, that bandwagon it's it's tough to go back you know people start to get used to it we've seen it in um, in poor communities where you you know you have people that that go on government assistance government assistance is not designed properly yeah you know, i believe it was reagan who said you know let's uh you know we we view success in uh in welfare by how many people we can take off of it you know and that is it's always been kind of a conservative tenant when it comes to welfare welfare yes if we're going to have to have these these social programs so be it but let's try to work it to where people are, are weaning from it where people are, are starting to be more self-reliant and and working uh, for themselves and supporting themselves um problem is when you start inserting this you know I, I used an analogy in an article yesterday basically if you got you got sally sitting there working hard here a few months from now she looks over at her Brother Bob down the block, and, and Bob's sitting at home playing Call of Duty because he's still getting government assistance, which this will persist. Keep in mind, this isn't something that's going to, to just go away. Oh, great, we get a check from the bailout and, and, and all is done. Um, this is going to persist. So keeping people at home, as California's doing, New York, more states, more cities, more areas, doing the shutdown, this is going to force people into a dependency uh, with government. You know, what are we going to do? Are we going to not take the money? Are we going to let our families starve? Absolutely not. So we have to do something. Governments the the only gig in town as a result of this, and so we're going to take it. The question is, are we going to let it go? And this, this is why we have to get people um, understanding this and educated on this concept, because if they don't, if they go in, there's a very good chance that people who never would have accepted government assistance in the past could be stuck with it um, going forward, and that's not a good thing. It might sound like a good thing to people now, um might sound like a great thing to to Democrats and leftists now, um but in the long run, this is going to do dramatic harm to america,
2: yeah, well, you know in and in the interesting thing about this whole thing with dealing with 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 this bailout is that you know in in the beginning, I was thinking, okay, so the the state governments are coming in like like here in California, Gavin Newsom comes in, shuts down everything. I feel like if you're going to make that decision, you 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 as the government need to have a solution to hey, these companies can't work because you made a decision. So on that on, from that specific side, you know, maybe that's a little pragmatic or not, but it's like you owe those businesses for essentially shutting them down. Right. Essentially. The problem is, is that it's not the state of California that, that is going to be providing support to these businesses and the people that are getting let go of work. It's the federal government. And then it's a blanket thing across the country in states that aren't even necessarily having a shutdown or aren't having as extreme of a shutdown as we are out here in California. So, so now you start getting big federal government involved in trying to deal with the repercussions of the local state governments. And I feel like that's an interesting dynamic here where, again, we're promoting big government solutions to local government decisions. And that that's a weird kind of dichotomy right
3: there. Oh, it is. It's, uh, you know, they, they say that if you're going to push for limited government federalism, that you should oppose anything that comes from the the uh, quote-unquote top, you know, I like to call them the bottom in D.C. and work your way up to the individual at the top of the hierarchy. But most people still say, you know, the federal government's at top. If you start, um, if you're really going to push for limited government, you need to be as self-sufficient as possible at the lowest possible level. In other words, anything the individual can handle, let the individual handle. Anything that that should be decided upon by the community, um, they should should get it. In, you know, onward and, and uh, like I said, downward from there in my opinion, where it's – if the community can't handle it, then it goes to the city, then it goes to the county, then it goes to the state, and the federal government is the, the last resort. I would have loved to see some variation of, a, I guess, a cooperative bailout that was focused on the states, you know, states and cities, as the the primary, the tip of the spear, where the government, the federal government, comes out and just says, look, we're going to – we're here to catch the the rest. We're the safety net. You know, We're the one at the very bottom – you guys take care of your people. Do what you can. You've got the, the, the um, proximity. You have the boots on the ground. You know you know what's happening at this factory, that restaurant, um, this neighborhood, that's, that neighborhood. For us to have this big, huge bailout from up top doesn't make very much sense. You know, Having it available may have made sense. In other words, making it to where, look, we have these funds, and these funds should be distributed um, to the people that need it the most. And uh, these funds should be made available to the businesses that are most vulnerable. But <clears throat> these decisions need to be made at the lower levels or, like I said, higher levels. Um, it needs to be made by the cities, by the states. Um, they need to go through, assess what they are what they need, and then come to us and we can assist if we're needed. If we're not needed, I mean, it's, if, if things are going great in West Virginia, then West Virginia can say, look, we don't need anything. Thanks guys we'll call you if we do we got this covered great California Gavin Newsom says oh my gosh it's pandemonium here I've got everybody on lockdown and, and now the the governor's mansion is on fire okay send to the National Guard you know the and, and everything in between you know versus saying saying this is what we're going to do this is what we decree blanket this across the nation and, and you know this once one, one uh, solution will solve everybody's problem that's wrong it needs to be done at a more understanding level, and that's at the local level. They know that the communities know what they need. They know what they what the government, uh, what the federal government needs to help them with, and they know you know that maybe it's not money. Maybe you know what we're doing great. Um, we're, we're keeping everybody uh, pretty much safe here. What we could really use is this or that, or you know the supply chain is down. We have no toilet paper. Please send toilet paper pull the, the government reserves on toilet paper and, and get it out to us, and then, you know, everything else, we're fine. Or this community might need more medicine, more ventilators, more more tests, more uh, more cash. You know, maybe it does come down to, look, our people are starving. We've had businesses shut down. Can't go back to work. This is a community that's based very much on this one particular factory or these, this group of factories, and they're hurting. We can't do anything about it. Help to bail out this company or this factory. Help to get the people paid today and uh, and then we'll we'll be set from there. Versus what we're seeing, which is okay, so what's the average that's going to be be uh, help you know these hundreds of millions of, of Americans? What is this is what we're going to send to everybody and it's going to be you know, universal and and you know, doesn't matter if, if this can only pay for so much in in uh, San Francisco, but but here in, in Arkansas it'll pay for this. Um no, we're just doing this whole thing wrong, and it's a reaction. You know, the last thing you want to be is a politician in the middle of a crisis who's being seen as doing nothing. And so, what's happening? We've got a bunch of politicians in a uh, in a crisis that are perceived doing as much as they can, which is, in many cases, the wrong direction to go.
2: Yeah. Well, and and I, th- and I think kind of just you know going off of that as well. We've we've seen this problem before in a lot of different scenarios where and this in in the problem isn't just limited to Democrats, because a, a lot of times conservatives will just try to blame the Democrats and act right. like and act like they're the problem, not the Republicans. It's both it's both parties. And I think that we see this with this uh, bailout that's going on right now. It's both parties pushing it. It's just a it's it's a bad uh, it's a bad solution versus a worse solution. And, you know, we see, we see that with this, with the debate over like the minimum wage that they want to have across the country. And it's like, it's really easy for people in California where we have such a high density uh, of people all crammed together in a city thinking $15 a minimum wage, not that much. But if you go to like Texas or Louisiana or whatever it is, that's, that's quite a bit of money compared to out here for what it can buy. And so that's, that I think is one of the reasons why we do need to be making that argument for Let's get the power out of the federal government and back to the states, which is the constitutional way of doing things to begin with, and, and that's what's missing even in the Republican Party, I, I believe.
3: Oh, absolutely. You know this we made a push back in uh, 2016, 2017 for, for the Federalist Party, specifically because I wasn't happy with what the GOP was doing. I wasn't happy with the direction. Um, it is true that they, they often many of them. Um, we, we won't say all of them because there are there are a lot of federalism-minded Republicans in office today, and there's a lot more uh, limited government voters out there as well. So <clears throat> I'm not going to, to blanket the uh, the Republican Party as this because you, you can – let's face it, you can blanket the Democratic Party. Um, I mean I've, I've never met a, a Democrat, at least in the last decade, who uh, agrees with the tenets of limited government and, and uh, self-reliance. And not having everything decreed from on high in the, at the federal level, so yes, we do. We did see a, a need to uh, break away from a lot of the Republicans. Um, things have changed. Uh, I do consider myself to be a an independent conservative that almost always will vote Republican when uh, when it comes down to it. But but um, there's a lot of Republicans I wouldn't support. We need that to be, you know. There is no party that is truly, that truly embraces this concept of, you know, d- dividing the powers, layer cake federalism, making sure that you start with the smallest level of government uh, to make as many decisions as possible. It should be a, a, a uh, I don't know how much football you watch, but I mean, you have quarterback drops back, they have, uh, Uh, their primary receiver going out on a route or the primary route for that particular play. And they go through their, their progressions, you know, it's like, okay, covered, covered, open over there. So they go to their fourth. Well, that fourth option that, 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 uh, the dump off pass, to the running back, that needs to be the federal government. That should be the absolute last, you know, if, if nobody else can make the play, then you go to your dump off pass and that's the federal government. Today, with almost everything it's federal government first and that's that's terrible it's i mean i'm not just talking about from a from a oh you know ideological constitutional perspective the constitution says this and so you know that's true too but it's terrible because it doesn't make any sense you know it like you said with minimum wage that it, it makes no sense to to try to make decisions at the national level when you have a country that's so diverse both economically culturally everything um it, Education. The, the entire Department of Education is a joke because how can you set standards when you have different communities that have different educational needs, different educational um, goals? You know, trying to trying to to push. Uh, let's say, just just as an example, you know, having um, classes regarding agriculture that makes sense in Nebraska. You know, that doesn't make sense in Brooklyn. So you know, um, so let's localize as much as possible. This coronavirus, I believe, is going to expose the dangers of of um, basically the supremacy, the primacy of of uh, the federal government. And um, that's not an attack on Trump. It's not an attack on on Capitol Hill, Democrats, Republicans. I think everybody's is really they are really are trying. Maybe not Nancy Pelosi, maybe not Chuck Schumer. I think they're still playing politics. But for the most part, most on Capitol Hill are like, look, guys, whatever, let's figure this out. Um, but that's also a problem when you have a society that was built around the idea of localization, and yet over the last several decades, it has leaned more towards uh, centralization of of uh, control and power and decision-making, and that just shouldn't be the case.
2: Yeah, no, and and I, and I think that part, part of the problem, too, is that, is that in all reality? There's not a whole lot of like local news anymore as well. So most people are watching, you know, like national news, or they're reading, you know, websites that are dealing with like you know the federal level and politics and things like that. And so nobody knows who's running in their local mayoral, uh you know, uh, you know race. They don't know who's running for their local for their local congressman, or they just know senators, maybe House representatives uh, in DC. And then they know, and then they know the president. And that's kind of it. And I want, and I'm kind of thinking that that's part of what's contributing to this happening both on the left and the right, is that everybody's just putting all their eggs in one basket on the federal level, as opposed to dealing with the local level. But at the same time, a lot, a lot of the people that are on the left and that are more progressive, they are focusing on the local level. But for, but for some, in the sense of getting people elected, uh, we, we saw, right. we, we saw, we see that up in like Minnesota. They're totally, you know, taking over, you know, that part of the country and that sort of thing. But I, I think as, as conservatives that do, that should be valuing the local government, we need to take our eggs out of the basket for the federal level and then bring it back more local. Keep up on what's going on. Like that, that's what's, that's what's supposed to be directly impacting you the most. But because the Fed is taken over, that's what's directly impacting us now.
3: Right. And it's not just, let's, you know, you touched on something very important there. It's not just that the Fed's taking over. It's that the people are looking to the federal government. You know, this is, uh, you, like you said, they, the people don't know. Uh, I was in, um, when my son, my son's been sick, and uh, my youngest son, and we've had three open heart surgeries in the last three years. And so I've had to spend a lot of time in uh, East L.A. Uh, I'm sorry, East Hollywood. Which is um, is not always a very fun place to be. <laughs> Good food, great yeah. food, I'll admit, but uh, but there are there are some some challenges there. As I was going through, you know, uh, spent a total of a little over three months there, and sometimes I would just get a, get the pulse. It's, it's in my DNA to to try to get a feel for where people are spiritually, where they are politically, and um, I was shocked at how many people didn't even know who Adam Schiff was. Adam Schiff is is there. This is this is his district. And uh, and this was in the middle of you know, at least at one point, it was in the middle of uh, the impeachment debacle. And for him not to be known by his own district, that was that's crazy. And that's at a, a national level. Everybody knows who Trump is. Everybody knows who who uh, well, I shouldn't say everybody knows who Pence is. They might not. Um, but then when I started talking about other things, you know, the, the local representation there, um, uh, it was it was terribly lacking. And this is more directed. I, I know you're aware, but more directed at the audience. You know, think to yourself, who did you vote for you know, as your as your um, state representative, you know, state senate, depending on where you are, you know, just state legislature in general. You know, who who is your mayor? Who is your who's on your city council? If you're you're in a, a city that has a city council, these are questions that we need to answer. We need to know the answer to. Because here's the thing, and this is what has always confused me about the push for the federal government being the, the primary focus: the people that directly influence your life, you know, the, our lives as individuals, are almost always going to be people that are at the local level. You know, the decisions that are made by by city councils, by state legislators, by governors and and mayors, and uh, uh, at the county level, everybody. These are the ones that, not, that will impact your life the most, much more than anything President Trump does or President Obama or the Senate or the Congress or even the Supreme Court in many cases. You know, the what happens locally is what <clears> – <throat> that's where all the, the, uh, um, the direct effects on your lives are. Now, conversely, those people at the local level, these local representatives – They are also more directly affected by you. Your vote counts more towards, you know, a a mayor in a mid-sized city towards that election than it will ever count towards a president or a senator. You know, your vote for a city council person is going to have a lot more impact because there's just fewer people voting. You know, if there's if you're in an area where there's 10,000 people that are voting generally in an election, then your vote counts as one out of 10,000. You know, whereas if you're trying to to be a vote of the for the presidential election here in California with 40 million people, you know, um, and with about 17 million of them voting, then that's one out of 17 million in a state that is almost never going to to vote for a Republican for president since Reagan. So, you know, it's you don't have that power. You don't have that influence. Local uh, politics influences you more and you influence local politics more. These are this is not an opinion. You know, any anyone who understands this stuff will agree with this. And that's why it befuddles me that people don't pay attention. They they aren't putting their their understanding and, and research and learning about what's What's happening? I, parents that send their kids to public school—how could you not know not only the names of but the the perspectives of everybody that's sitting on the school board? You know, it it blows me away that this is the case. America needs this this uh, I guess you could say revival of federalism of understanding what's happening at the local level and of participating in localized government. That doesn't necessarily mean running for office, though that would be nice. Um but it does mean getting involved, you know, making your voice heard, getting off of of the national chat boards and and tweeting at President Trump instead of doing that, you know focus on your local area, make changes that will actually affect you and your family. that can be done locally,
2: yeah yeah well in one of the other uh aspects too is that uh it seems as if uh the Democrats and the left in general um have a lot more active involvement in local communities. Uh, and in politics and in activism and things like that. Whereas I think, I think in general, uh, at at least from what I'm seeing out here in California, in general, you don't see the same level of activism, um, among conservatives. And I, and I, and I find that interesting as well. I know, you know, I know that I have some friends that are in the, in the Midwest and the South and there's, there's more activism out there when it comes to the conservative side, but there's not a whole lot of voices. Even though, when you think there's there's millions of conservatives that are here in California, we're just outnumbered. But it's still there's not a whole lot of people that get involved. Maybe they're just given up and feel like they can't actually accomplish anything. I don't know.
3: I think that's that's definitely some because, uh, like you said, you know, I'm from Oklahoma and Oklahoma activism was a conservative thing. So you know, you yeah, of course you had the, the uh, leftists that were doing their thing, but but for the most part, the organizations, the community involvement. Um, it really was was a conservative thing. I think your the what you identified is it seems the majority has the not only the lion's share of government control but also activism. It's something that you know I've never looked into. So so uh, everything that I'm telling you is anecdotal. But that's something that maybe there's an opening there. You know yeah. perhaps it is time to to really push for conservatism. Uh, well, for conservatives to be more directly involved with what's happening in their local community versus just a blanket blanket statement of, hey, you know, wh- whatever you do, focus on your local government, um, building up the, the momentum for local activism you know, from conservatives, whether they're in friendly waters in Oklahoma or unfriendly waters in, in California. Uh, that's something to strongly consider. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, well, it, yeah, and and I think that uh, you know, the, like that—that's one of the things that you and I have been kind of talking about to a certain degree is how do we get more people involved in dealing with uh, with conservatism and, and understanding it as well? Because I think, I think that I think that one one of the things that we need to figure out is how do we get people away from thinking Republican Democrat? Because in all reality, both both sides a lot of times are in the wrong. But if we start thinking in terms of liberal versus conservative, um, and, and start looking at the divide that way, as opposed to just picking a political party team, um, and I think that that's something that you and I, you and I, have been you know discussing and trying to figure out like what's what's the best way to move forward uh, from that perspective as well.
3: Yes, um, you'll never hear me say liberal, and this is going to probably the wrong time, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Um, I think it was Prager. Is either Prager you or somebody did a great? Actually, now that I think about it, I'm almost positive was Dennis Prager himself who did a video about how he's a liberal but not a leftist. Or he, he, uh, you know, the, the the differentiation there. I know that in in our public public discourse, that you know, liberal and liberalism and leftism have become synonymous. <clears throat> I have a writer over at Knock Report. Um, who believes that it's a war on language? You know, he he's written probably I don't know 50 articles specifically about defining the difference between liberalism and leftism. You know, even he's, he's very much against the use of the word gun control. He likes to call it liberty control. You know, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's great. I'm, I'm not I'm not laughing at him or, or the, the concept. I'm laughing at the uh, at the fact that it's he's right. I um, just want to throw that out there because liberalism really is about liberty. Uh, true liberalism is about, I mean, you know, Dave Rubin is a liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people I think are liberals without being leftists, and there's a lot of leftists that are very, very, very far from being liberal. And I would say the majority of people who are making decisions, at least um, at least in DC, you know, in, in the Democratic Party, are more leftists than anything else. If there were more liberals we'd be in, in better shape you know uh, but anyway, so back to your original premise. Should we should we be more focused less on parties, more on ideologies? Absolutely. I'm a firm firm, firm believer that the majority of Americans are conservative. Many of them just don't know it. Many of them have attached the concept of conservatism with the name Republican. And because whether, for whatever reason, they grew up Democrats, they they uh, they uh, live in areas or, or they belong to a, a, um, a demographic, um, a racial group or whatever that says you know, you're supposed to be a Democrat because of this or that or the other. Um, therefore, you you're not a Republican. Therefore, you're not a conservative. I believe most people are. I believe that if you were to take and educate people on the tenets of conservatism, and compare them you know i'm not saying hide progressivism or leftism or whatever you want to call it uh, i'm not saying you you don't talk about that I, I please talk about it let's put idea versus idea let's take ideology against ideology philosophy versus philosophy and let's lay it out fairly and if you do that if you ask people you know do you believe in more freedom or less freedom you know do you believe do you think that we need to be have our Um, morality mandated based upon a small subset of the the population and and, in an attempt to not offend anybody ever. Um, Do you believe in social justice and do you even know what social justice is? Do you believe that you would be better off giving more of your money to the government so that they can then distribute it uh, how they see fit? Or would you, do you trust yourself to be able to take your money and live your life more appropriately with, you know, if if your taxes were lowered? Um, I mean, across the board even if we look at the more polarizing concepts uh, you know, such as the Second Amendment you know if, if we take the statistics I'm not talking about you know looking at oh you know by golly I've got the Constitution and, and so I need my minigun and my rocket launcher you know I'm not talking about that I'm talking about let's look at the facts let's look at areas where people uh, more people have guns legally let's compare those to areas where there are more gun restrictions. Where's their crime? You know, where, where does the crime spike? Now, think about it from a perspective of if you have a gun and, you know, what is what is the mo- most likely way that you're able to, quote unquote, defend yourself in a, a bad situation, you know, by having a firearm to defend your family or by waiting uh, 17 minutes for the police to come or even seven minutes or even two minutes. You know, um, I think that the shooting I believe, is in Dayton, you know, 27 seconds. The gunman was able to to get get off uh, and, and kill several people, um, even with the police literally standing right there and taking him down very quickly. Uh, same thing with abortion. You know, we can have that discussion about um, about women's rights versus human rights. We can have a discussion about whether or not the baby is viable or has a heartbeat or, or has feelings or whatever. Um, you know, but but if we were to take the facts the actual science behind it and apply that to people and then take the, the cultural and religious aspects of it and get that into the minds of people. I do believe again that the majority, I would say it's closer to 70%. Some people think I'm crazy, but I would say the majority of Americans are actually conservative. They've just been brainwashed. A lot of us have been, you know, a lot of us have been shown the wrong, the wrong idea. And there's a stigma surrounding the Republican party that makes it impossible for certain conservatives to even realize they're conservatives, let alone be a Republican.
2: Yeah. Well, and I I think you you probably are pretty pretty close to uh, your estimate of people who would be conservatives if they were dealing with the reality. Um, You know, because I – and I I think one example of that, it would be like personal property rights. Is, you know, like you've got got a lot of people that are supporting people like AOC and Bernie Sanders. But if you were to go up to them and say, we're going to take away – your money and give it to somebody else and just literally just come up and take it away and give it to somebody, they'd be like, no, that's mine. Like, like when you, when, when it's dealing with themselves, it, 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 they're able to process it. But when it's dealing with somebody else's money, all of a sudden there's this disconnect. And I think, and I think if we can kind of frame the discussion in that way and really deal with the, deal with the facts, make it personalized to a certain degree and actually walk people through logically, as opposed to it just being, Hey, I'm MAGA, uh, pro NRA and X, Y, and Z. And that, that's your argument. You know, you're never going to, you're never going to win over the people on the other side. You got to deal with reality. You got to deal with facts. You got to deal with, you know, logic. You got, you got to deal with that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, we're not seeing a ton of that right now in pushing conservative values. That's something that I think that we, um, that we need more of right now.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. We need, uh, we need a movement that educates people on what conservatism is and why it's beneficial. Um, I would say that the majority of organizations out there, conservative organizations, have you know, no offense, but they dropped the ball. They have gone off, in, 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 and I'm not saying generally, you know, there's still there's good and bad in everything. I think that the, the good has not outweighed the bad nearly as much as it should. And, you know, as much as it used to, and I'm not going to name organizations, but I think that there is a there's a gaping hole right now in establishing what conservatism is and in educating the people. It, guys, keep something very very important in mind. The reason that you know, people ask me how why I believe that conservative conservatism is more in the people's hearts, than uh, than a lot of them realize, uh, and it's not just anecdotal. The reason that I believe this is because if you look at what's pushing progressivism, the industries, the the uh, just the, the the cards are stacked so hard against us for, for the fact that there are so many conservatives, you know, self-proclaimed conservatives out there. When you have an education system that is that is. I mean, we're talking about ninety percent of teachers and professors that at least lean left, if not are you know go all the way far to the left. And with the majority, anybody who's been on a college campus at all realizes that as of today, if you are conservative, you're stifled. If you have, you know, if 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 you if you don't support safe spaces and uh, selective diversity. And, you know, I guess, quote unquote, women's rights, if you have anything other than a uh, very, uh, at least extreme, if not radical view of a progressive uh, mindset, then you're just, you have to survive college today. <laughs> you know, you have to kind of make it through and hope that you're, that you're uh, not completely lambasted by, by professors, let alone other students. You look at Hollywood, you look at the leftism there, that is just, that's just, it's, it's rampant. I mean, you, you want to lose a job as a, uh, in Hollywood? Come out as a conservative. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Suddenly you're going to be on Twitter and that's your, your only venue. Um, and then, of course, the media. So when we look at those, the three big, big uh, I guess you could say, influencers, you know, outside influencers of people's thoughts, the education system, Hollywood, and mainstream media, they are far we're talking far far to the left of center we're talking about at least 70 80 percent of those who are participating are doing so with the intention of making other people progressive so the sheer fact that that they don't have a domination tells me we're right you know they're fighting against the truth we have the truth on our side let's use that let's build a movement that's going to focus on getting the truth out there on propagating a reality on making sure that facts are are understood not manipulated and uh and let's look at what's actually going to fix this country the problems we've seen a, a good chunk of it i mean let's face it the tax cuts helped the economy so much that, that should have been a humongous wake-up call unfortunately mainstream media education system uh, hollywood really um went after the tax cuts before they were they were uh fully fleshed out, I guess you could say, before the, the the benefits were out there to the people and so we had a twenty eighteen midterm election that was disastrous. I know, oh, but we kept the Senate and we didn't lose a ton of seats in the House. No, it was disastrous. You know, it was absolutely utterly disastrous because we should have won that the, the i and when I say we Republicans should have won that um hands down. There shouldn't have even been a question. There was nothing controversial out there. You know Obamacare repeal was already dead at that point. Um the economy was soaring tax cuts were in Things were looking great. Um, why did why did the Republicans lose control of the House at all? They shouldn't have. So it was a disaster, and you can blame the leftist media and, and uh, uh, education system and all that other stuff. Um, that can't happen again in 2020. And I'm not going to get partisan and say, "Oh, go vote Republican straight ticket." Um, but I will say this: We do need a conservative revival, and that has to come from the people, from the grassroots, not from politicians.
2: So. Yeah, and well, and and that's something that that you and I have been trying to figure out. Like, okay, so how how are we going to, uh, how are we going to move forward with that? And, you know, and and that's been that's been one of my things, especially ever since starting the GK. Has been in the back of my mind is, okay, so there's a problem. If there's a problem, somebody needs a solution. If nobody's come up with a solution, it's like. Why not, why not us? Why not me? You know, and, and that, that's kind of been my, my MO with running with the GK. I mean, you know, that's, that's why, you know, we're real, we're, we've got a bunch of young guys that are, that are podcasting. It's why we, we're coming out with our uh, publishing company and putting out books and content and we did our first online conference, uh, last month. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just like, Hey, what's, what's stopping us? So, you know, you, you give a little bit of a teaser. On some of the stuff we, we've, been, we've been talking about, um, as we're still kind of you know working through a lot of this kind of stuff.
3: First, you didn't tell me there was only young guys that were uh, that were podcasting when you invited me. I'm, 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 I'm old. I'm, I'm in my twenties. <laughs> <20s or something. laughs> Teaser. For the last, I would say, year or so, there's been a need for this concept of an American conservative movement. The question that has been percolating in my head, you know, as I talk about it, as I uh, go out there and, and push for it, the question has been, what exactly is that? What is needed? What is what is the American conservative movement? It's, it's kind of like, a, you know, um, I, I hate to, to invoke the Bible, but it's kind of like somebody told me to build an ark and and uh, but they didn't tell me what how to build it or, or to get the gopher wood or anything like that. So I really had no idea. I just knew that we needed to build this. Um, and then I started talking to you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it starts heading into 45 different directions, um, and, and in a good way. That, that's usually a bad thing. But uh, I think that over the last week or so, we've been blessed with, with some really strong information, uh, really strong direction. You know? So as a teaser, I would say we've talked about the need for conservatism to come out. We've talked about the need for, for the people to be alerted to what's out there. And we've also talked about the coronavirus. Uh, what does the coronavirus represent? Right now, it represents a grave danger, not just the disease itself. I think that's the that's the uh, the least of our worries. You know, getting the coronavirus doesn't seem to you know it doesn't seem to be this tremendous world-stopping event. Yes, it's a pandemic. Yes, it's dangerous. But you know, I mean, is it is it enough to essentially cancel our future? But that's what the government is doing. They're attempting to cancel our future, to keep us preserved for today, um, and preserved for not very good reasons. So what needs to be done? We need to prevent people from falling into the trap that this is setting, the trap of reliance on government, of dependency on government, not just at the individual level, but at the business level. And so that was the predicate that, that never existed before last week you know at least in my mind never existed as a reasoning behind why we would even consider forming a a new conservative movement Now that predication is is out, um, and things are starting to come clear, not just in in uh, ideology, but also in direction. What do we want to do? How do we do it? Um, those things have been falling into our lap. I don't want to go into great detail yet, not because you know, being aloof, but because the details are are uh, flying at us uh, from different directions and uh, every single day. You know, we're 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 getting ideas and talking to people that are, I mean, nothing short of an absolute blessing. It's, uh, I'll share a quick story. Um, don't want don't to make it too cheesy, but there have been things, and I, I share them with Jeff. There have been things that have uh, happened the last few days that have been exciting because they couldn't have happened as a result of anything short of some sort of help. I guess you could say intervention, so to speak. And that's exciting when you, when you're, when you're trying to build something that's going to really help Americans. And I truly believe this will, and potentially even help the world. Um, getting that, that affirmation from a, from a, uh, outside source is wonderful. The people were, we're, that are revealing themselves to us, the ideas that are flying at us, nothing short of miraculous. And I'm, I'm, um, I can barely contain my excitement as to what can can come in the very near future. So, yeah, I, well, I want to go. Can, can we wrap this up? I mean, yeah. To
2: this <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> well, see, we'll see. Like, I I feel, I feel like it's it's one of those things when we're looking at at true conservatism. Again, there's 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 a lot of people that say they're conservative, and there's a lot of people that they'll pick up they'll pick up the mantle and say, "Hey, we're conservative. We're we're going to be this movement." But that usually turns into some sort of like partisan, um, you know, like right now we see that a lot with, you know, Trump supporters, right? And it's not to throw anybody under the bus by any means, but being a Trump supporter is not necessarily being the same thing as being a conservative. Um, and, and, and I think that one of the, one of the dangers that we need to combat with creating an actual conservative movement is getting away from the, you know, celebrity mentality of I associate with that person. And so whatever that person says, I believe, and and actually have people that are principled and actually understand what it is that they believe, what it is that they're, that they're standing for and what it is that they're voting for. And I think that that's why having something in place where we're creating a grassroots movement, where we're actually getting information in people's hands is going to be so vitally important to in all reality the future of our country and i think that that's why something like this is so important right now
3: absolutely we need uh, we need that that uh, we need to replace the herd mentality it has benefited us let's face it you know, i mean it has benefited us from a from a donald trump perspective in a lot of ways because it has brought people to the voting booth that weren't there before that was 2016 will it work in 2020 we'll see think it will but but perhaps not but here's the thing that herd mentality does not solve real problems that only gets certain people elected um and the same herd mentality can get the wrong people elected in the future you know so we can't rely on oh you know this person has the most rallies that person is the uh, I, i i like what this guy has to say so whatever he says goes um or or that, that girl that I respect, she, she says that I should be voting for this person, so I will. You know. That type of that's that's so un American, it's not even funny. Okay? How do Americans make decisions? They get the information and and they make a decision based upon what's in their heart and what's in their best interest and what's in the best interest of their family and their community. You know, at least that's how it should be. It shouldn't be a matter of man. You know look at Bernie this guy's great. he gets these huge crowds and and he talks about freak college and you know I mean, surely he's right, you know surely he can pay for a ninety three trillion dollar uh green new deal because if he couldn't, why would so many thousands of people go to his rallies why would he why would he be so popular and and why does he have so many Bernie bros and why does he trend on Twitter all the time? um no. You know, we should as Americans, we have freedom and that freedom is not just a a benefit. It's also a responsibility. We have the responsibility to know what it is that we're supporting, who we're supporting, what they're voting for. What are the policies? Who are our local politicians? What does what this? How does this uh, bill affect us? You know, why are we being shut down because of the coronavirus? What is this uh, uh, this bailout package? How is that going to ever get paid back? These are questions that need to be asked. And I'm not just talking about sending out a tweet. I'm talking about having knowledge. You know, There needs to be a source of knowledge. And I, as much as, again, I don't want to rip on specific conservative groups. But I'll say this. Memes don't educate people. Memes don't win elections. Um, it shocks me. How much attention is paid to you know a uh, a picture of a politician and a statistic next to them, and that statistic may or may not even be accurate, or you know a funny video with with the president's head on some you know majestic hero's body going through and slaying CNN and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and you know these things. Okay, they're adorable. Um, they're they're funny. They're sometimes offensive. But it's overkill. You know, what happened to arming ourselves with knowledge? What happened to arming ourselves with the truth? That has to be put first um, instead of this whole, I guess, it herd mentality of, of uh, as you were saying, the, the, the MAGA crowd. I support President Trump. I do not own a Make America Great Again hat. Um, I support President Trump. And if he starts to push authoritarian concepts, I will I will speak out against those concepts. You know, I support president Trump. And if, if he starts to push for a, a gun ban, as he was thinking about, you know, back in, uh, back in, uh, less than a year ago, you know, July issue of 2019 talking about, about, uh, red flag gun laws and, uh, universal background checks and, and certain types of gun bans, Um, I'll speak out against those. So, we as Americans must have that type of mentality the, menta- the mentality that we have our ideology that's not based upon what this person says or what this person says but that's based upon what we get what we gather of from knowledge you know what's out there and what we feel here and up here you know that's that's how people should vote that's how they should act and if more Americans did that then I think that that we could run as even more efficiently than we do today. And I think we would even be in better shape handling something like the coronavirus than we, we have been.
2: Yeah. And and an example uh, that I wanted to throw out there about this herd mentality. um, And it's, it's going to be a stupid example, but still an example is uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel would always do a man on the street type interview show, like segment on his show. And he would go out, and I, th- I believe it was during the last election cycle when it was Trump versus Hillary, and he'd go out and ask for people's response to quotes from either uh, Trump or Hillary, but then he would swap the names. And then people would respond, but they would be responding to the person, not necessarily what was saying. So they would justify if, if they were a Hillary supporter and he was giving them a quote that he said was from Hillary, even though it was from Trump, they would be like hardcore support it, whatever it is. It's like, oh, that was actually from President Trump. And then they'd be shocked. And I think that that's part of the problem that we're seeing in our country right now is that, you know, Democrats 15 years ago, the very same people that are criticizing Trump so much, 15, 20 years ago, they were saying the exact same thing that he's saying now. But all of a sudden now it's racist, bigoted, you know, hateful, uh, you know, considered hate speech, all this kind of stuff. And I think that that's why we need to get away from the personalities a little bit and stick with the principles and then call balls and strikes wherever that might be. Maybe Republicans are going to have, um, you know, some, some better calls right now because maybe they're like 50% good, hypothetically, right? Democrats are going to be most mostly bad, I would say, right now. But that's that's general. But that's because I have certain principles and you're looking at the situation and then you put those principles, line them up, and then figure out who's right, who's wrong, who deserves my vote based on the principles, not, hey, he, he's, he's a funny guy and he gets 20,000 people to show up to an arena.
3: Right absolutely absolutely we have to balls and strikes that is the right way to call it um there are there are organizations out there that are trying to do this but not enough of them mm-hmm. um there are voices out there that are that are trying to sound reasoned um but not enough of them one of the things that i see as extremely important within uh, a an american conservative movement is that we're encouraging, and in many ways empowering people to be the, the uh, their, at least their own personal thought leaders, if not developing thought leaders for the rest of the world or for the rest of the nation, I should say. In other words, there are there are too many people, like you said, who focus on personalities. We need free thinkers, and I'm not talking about free thinkers as in like. You know, uh, I think a lot of times people will, will hear free thinker and they assume that means, um, you know, beatnik or uh, or some type of uh, uh, hipster or something, you know, whatever. now I'm talking about free thinkers as in as in take a situation, um, any situation, not be able to make the right calls based upon the, the quote, the circumstance, the policy, the ideology, uh, regardless of. Who said it or which politician did this or which talking head supports that? Um, we do latch on as a nation far too much onto individuals. And it's not just politicians, you know. Uh, I remember there was something, I don't even remember what I, I, something Tucker Carlson had done or said that was really offensive in the past. I mean, something about like like teen girls, I think, and, you know, and it, it ticks me off. My gosh, I became I was suddenly the enemy to, to conservatives or to or to to uh, Tucker Carlson fans when I would even speak out about that or, or said, said anything negative about it. Look, i'm not saying Tucker Carlson is terrible or that I disagree with him. He just shouldn't have said that, okay? I mean it was true. He shouldn't he shouldn't talk about underage teen girls in a sexual manner. Period. I don't care. Don't justify it. You're you're ruining your your perspective. You're ruining your reputation by saying no no no, that was taken out of context. No, it wasn't. I mean, even in context it's it's much worse. Okay. Well, well you're just a you're just a liberal, you know. No, I'm not. Uh, I just just don't I don't get chuckles about grown men talking about teenage girls, okay? Um sorry, you know, it, but but That type of mentality has to change, and the only way to do that is to make people realize you have your opinions, you have your perspectives. They're valued, they're valuable. Don't let, don't let a a mentality of following this person, that person, another person. Don't let that cloud your own internal judgment. Because you can be embarrassed by Jimmy Kimmel in the future if you do you know, and there's nothing worse than than having having a, a shifting perspective based solely on on which tribe you're in or which uh which icon you you follow uh, that's that's where the base is is no longer valid right
2: right and so, and so you know when when we're looking at okay so we're gonna we're gonna be you know, and we're still working out the details and figuring out what we want to do with, with this, uh, American conservative movement. But if people want to stay in the loop, know what's going on when when we do come out with announcements and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I know right, right now people are submitting, uh, you know, emails and their information because they want more information. We're getting a lot of response. Uh, but how can people do that? That might be watching this show.
3: So we're going to have, um, if you go to AmericanConservativeMovement.com, dot com right now, it redirects to my site, uh, needing to, to do some some proper get some proper technical support to get just the right site up. But uh, right now, it goes to Knock Report, a page that allows people to learn a very little bit about it, but more importantly, to be able to reach out to us to request more information. We're going to start sending out emails again very soon. We're going to be putting out videos um, that tell more, and as we as we reach out, we've been reaching out to, to many people every day for the last few days, and we're going to continue to do that until uh, until we have what we believe to be the, the right team, the right, uh, you know, I, I keep telling people on Twitter, uh, you know, we're, we're putting together a team of superheroes, um, conservative superheroes, and, and the response has been pretty good. So go to AmericanConservativeMovement.com. It'll take you to a page, one way or the other, uh, that will allow you to, reach out to us to tell us your name, your address. I'm sorry, not your address, your email and uh, um, your phone call, your phone number if you're comfortable with that. And as more information comes out as we launch, then we'll reach out to everybody.
2: Yeah. And and I I highly encourage, you know, people people to do that because I think especially now with what we're seeing with uh, and we were kind of touching on this earlier, but what we were seeing with government overreach with uh in response to the coronavirus has really you know sped up this process for us and um you know whether it's dealing with the bailouts whether it's the the DOJ's uh attempt to try to uh, you know waive constitutional rights in in a national emergency you know we're seeing these these uh government oversteps right now and so I feel like right now the best way to arm ourselves is with knowledge, with information, and getting as many people as we can buying into the idea of true constitutional conservatism because it works better than anything else. And I feel like that's why it's so vitally important that we get people to understand why this works, which is right. why I think that, uh, that what we're putting together is gonna be, is gonna be really, really cool.
3: It should be very, very cool. And hopefully very, very effective. That's the important part. Mm-hmm.
2: For sure. For sure. So now uh, people want to uh, be following up with you, following what what you're posting, uh, what you're writing, that sort of thing. Uh, what's the best way for people to be doing that?
3: Oh, probably Twitter, twitter.com slash JD Rucker. Then go to NOQReport, knockreport.com and uh, see mine and other people's writings. We are trying to get as many people to write for us as possible. So if you've ever needed a venue... Through which to express your conservative and/or Christian views, uh, we're, we're open to it. Just, just give me a holler at Knock Report, and, uh, and we'll get you set up.
2: Yeah, def- definitely. Highly encourage you guys to do that, and then uh, for everybody else as well, uh, make sure you you guys are uh, liking, subscribing, all the good stuff. I know um, JD's going to be coming out with another uh, record report uh, here in the decently near future. Um, you know, I really enjoyed yeah. his his first episode. And then, uh, yeah, and then we've also got a bunch more stuff, uh, you know, coming out. Make sure you guys check out our book, Social Injustice. You guys can go to socialinjusticebook.com. If you guys go over to gatekeepersonline.com slash store, we've got uh, th- that book for sale. We've also uh, pre-ordering uh, Pastor Sam Jones' book, Five Steps to Kill a Nation. The, and if you guys use the code Jeff, you guys go 10% off anything over there in the store. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much, JD, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I always enjoy our talks and conversations and that sort of thing. So thanks so much for coming on.
3: Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate
2: uh, you. Of course. And then uh, everybody else, we'll, we're going to be back tomorrow uh, as well. Uh, tomorrow, I'm just looking at the schedule because we're pumping out a bunch of shows. Tomorrow, we've got uh, Bishop Robert E. Smith coming on uh, the podcast. Friday, we've got Dustin Faulkner uh, Monday, we've got Judd Saul from the Enemies Within the Church uh, documentary. We're going to be talking about that as well. And I've got a bunch more guests li- that we're lining up and confirming for next week as well. So stay tuned. Again, subscribe. Uh, keep up on what's going on. Uh, stay conservative. And we'll see you guys tomorrow.